it's tough and, and you fight every single day and, and there's there's no guarantees ever you can have a, a a shipment that or you can hear from the boat radioed in coming in with fish on board we'll be there at, at 7 a.m we're offloading it'll be on the truck and you'll have it in new york at 11 p.m and then it doesn't show up and they're like oh yeah we you know the we had to get towed in so we didn't make it till noon and then you did offload till four and like oh my god i've already sold half this fish <laughs> this is the fish tales podcast i'm john sussman vinnie milburn is a fifth generation fishmonger and one of new york's most respected seafood suppliers his family have been in the fish business for more than 100 years he's the wholesale supplier not only to his own fish shop the iconic Brooklyn fishmonger Greenpoint Fish and Lobster, but has become the seafood supplier of choice to many of New York City's best restaurants. Vinnie Milburn is a little fish made good in the Big Apple. My great-great-grandfather uh, came over from Ireland and uh, he started fishing in Gloucester in Massachusetts in New England, um, you know, the cod capital of the world back then. And, um, you know, he just started getting better and better moving up the chain and eventually started his own seafood company, which is still in existence today. Um, I'm in the fifth generation and there's members of the fourth and fifth generation still working there. And, uh, you know, hopefully it'll be here for six, seven, eight, ninth generations. I own a company called Greenpoint Fish and Lobster. Greenpoint is a neighborhood in Brooklyn in New York City. Um, we are, well, we started as a, it's a retail fish market combination restaurant. Um, and there's only about 20 seats inside. It's very small, just a little oyster bar and, and sort of fry shack type of thing. And pretty quickly, other chefs in the neighborhood were coming in the back door looking to buy wholesale from me which was, you know, what I knew, my background. Uh, I didn't know anything about the restaurant industry. So eventually I just started doing some deliveries in the Greenpoint neighborhood and that expanded. And then that moved into a much larger wholesale company servicing about 250 restaurants uh, every week. You know, it's a great scene here in Brooklyn. Um, we have a lot of uh, seafood lovers and there are people that are very into it. And, you know, but people in New York, get really excited about the things that I carry. A fishmonger needs to be part fisherman, part chef and part insomniac. Available day in, day out and with the ability to conjure up seafood at a moment's notice, always with good humour and always with good supply. It's so stressful and and I mean, I, every single day is a battle and I, I'm sure the people who are listening to this podcast know that. It, it is it's tough and, and you fight every single day and, and there's there's no guarantees ever. You can have a, a, a shipment that or you can hear from the boat radioed in, coming in with fish on board. We'll be there at 7 a.m. We're offloading. It'll be on the truck and you'll have it in New York at 11 p.m. And then it doesn't show up and they're like, oh, yeah, we, you know, the, we had to get towed in. So we didn't make it till noon and then you did offload till four and like, oh my God, I've already sold half this fish. <laughs> you know, like, it, it's, it's a, it's such a stressful environment, but like, you know, when, when you're living in it, it's, it's, uh, the adrenaline's running and 
it sounds it doesn't sound crazy to fish people but it, it sounds crazy to normal people this is this is like real exciting stuff and i'm just sitting there on my phone texting people you know but i'm i'm looking for fish i'm trying to find it i'm coordinating shipments from all over the country all over the world can it make this flight can it get here can you pick it up at jfk if it goes to Dulles, can someone bring it up from, uh, it's, it's always, it's constant. It's something that just never leaves you. The best fishmongers like to specialize in local species, but even more important to Vinny is exploring the opportunities with underutilized species that can deliver the most extraordinary culinary experiences too. Our goal is really to, to be as local as possible, but we really like to focus on local species here um, you know, so we, we do have the, uh, cod haddock, pollock, um, the, you know, the ground fisheries of new England that were so instrumental in um, in the past 400 years, of the new world. Um, but we also like the, uh, you know, the, the porgies and black sea bass and fluke, um, fish that are local right here in New York, um, we love telling the story of, of fish that is comes from you know just a just a hour away driving and people know of these places they've vacationed there they've they've been there they've heard of them you know the other side of the coin that I've seen if a dollar went in the tip jar every time I, I heard do you have shrimp or do you have salmon I you know, I could retire right now because that's it that's just it's all people seem to want. Um, and I, I'm, you know, we have a very small footprint where a fish market in one neighborhood of Brooklyn of New York, but I feel like the more people that come in, the more I can change their minds a little bit and maybe get them to take something that's, uh, underappreciated. Um, one, another great silver lining of this, uh, coronavirus uh, crisis is that there is a lot of uh, problem with shipping and availability and reliability in a way that there didn't used to be even a couple months ago. But everyone seems to understand when they come in and say, oh, I'll have Bronzino, please. And you say, well, there isn't Bronzino because uh, all the flights are canceled from Europe. I don't know if you read about that in the news. And they're like, oh, wow, I, I didn't even think about that. I, I completely – it just goes right over their head. And you say, well, I do have some, um, you know, some, some porgies from New York waters, New York fishermen that are right here. And if you're going to roast them on your grill tonight, it, it's going to be just as good. And these are great fish. And actually, it's going to be cheaper. And then – you know, you start to, you see the wheels in in the in motion, and people start to think a little bit differently. But that that's one of the biggest gripes that I have with the seafood um, uh, consumer market is that that we've we've become a, a culture of of Amazon people that just get it now, get it whenever. In New York City, you have Amazon Prime; they deliver it same day. It's insane. You you. you you type it in your computer in the morning and it's there at five o'clock in the afternoon. It just, it doesn't make any sense. But for people that have this uh, perception of like, get it now, get it now, get it now, get it, whatever. How do you tell them that things are out of season? <laughs> you know, like you, you should say like, Hey, you know what? The tuna season uh, here on the, uh, 
on the East Coast is like, you know, in the summer and it's a summer fish. Do the do the summer fish in the summer. You know, skip it for Christmas. You know, like just it, it's okay. It's okay to let things go for a while because you're going to appreciate them more afterwards. And and it's that's very hard to explain to customers when they say oh, well, I have a menu that's been printed and it's had the same thing on it for 22 years and you're telling me I can't have it? You say, ooh, yikes. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, a little variety is good. Seasonality. You know, get what's, get, get what's fresh now. The world of a fishmonger has changed and social media has as much impact on demand as the seasons. But the fundamental relationship between fishermen and fishmonger remains the cornerstone to good supply. Vinny's worked hard over the years to ensure he knows his fishermen, what they catch and when. Now that social media is here and such a big part of everyone's life, people gravitate, chefs gravitate towards other chefs who are doing things. And, and the second that some, one person posts a picture of a soft shell crab, I get 40 calls about it because they want it and like so-and-so has it, so-and-so selling it. Um, and I think, I think that, you know, we, we've seen this before that, um, a chef once who's, you know, very well-known restaurateur in, in New York, uh, one of his sous chefs or someone under him asked for a very cheap fish for family meal. And we sent him some, um, ocean perch. Uh, and we sent him whole and he wanted to work on it. And it just so happened that this chef owner walked by and took a picture of it and posted on Instagram. And I had, I sold more whole ocean perch that week than I ha ever have in my life. People were, uh, couldn't get enough of it. And I think that that's really what's going on is that people are feeding off everyone else's energy and, uh, sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's a really bad thing when there's a tight market and everyone wants something and you just can't get it. And, you know, I think the, the Dover soul market for, for some reason, um, a couple months ago was just, it tanked and you couldn't find it anywhere. And for whatever reason, people were going crazy looking for it. And, you know, we kept joking, like if, if I had a pallet of Dover soul, I, I could be a millionaire. But you have a pallet next week and nobody wants it. You know, it, it's, it's such a hard thing to figure out. And you're working with a perishable product that doesn't have infinite life on it. it it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it can get tricky. Seafood sustainability is one of the hottest topics in the world of food, with as many opinions as there are fish in the sea. For a fishmonger, a working knowledge of what sustainability means to both the fishers and the chefs is vital. Vinny's role is to provide stewardship and practical solutions to delivering sustainable seafood, including sometimes giving chefs a little tough love. Now, sustainability in seafood is very important to me. And I think people always ask me like, oh, you know about sustainable seafood. So what is, what's the fish that I could get that will alleviate the guilt that I have about eating seafood because I love seafood, but I just hear so many bad things about it. And they want me to just have this secret answer about, oh, if you just eat like a, this fish, it'll be, it'll be fine. But there is no answer because it's a more holistic approach. And, and waste is the biggest thing that I see is that, you know, restaurants do this. They have perfect little squares of halibut. But like 
a halibut isn't a square fish. So what happened to the rest of it? Yeah. So I, I'm always, I'll always take the tail cuts, whether it, you know, whether it is a halibut or, um, a salmon or, you know, lately there's a, there's this great aquaculture farm just two hours North of Manhattan and they farm steelhead trout. And, uh, We've been lucky to, enough to work with them since the beginning, since they started production or they started production years before, but since they started selling, distributing, we've been working with them and it's one of our best sellers. Um, it's delicious. It's, uh, and it's a recirculating aquaculture system. And that's really what I've been taking home lately because the fish, they grow so fatty in the middle that the tails actually do look a little ridiculous. And then I end up with them, you know, but I, I, I love them. I, I don't, I would love to just sell nothing but tails, you know, it'd be, it'd be something I, I'm always pushing it. And before, you know, one of the, the kid, uh, who was my, uh, fishmonger before all this, um, I would come into the, the restaurant at night or at night, four o'clock in the afternoon. And I would just say loudly to people. And I, there's other people in line looking at the fish and say, wow, those tails look really delicious. And of course the kid just rolls his eyes at me. He's like, shut up with the tails. <laughs> but you know, they're all, they're all stacked up all nicely in the case and they just look, they look cute. Why not take a tail home? You know? Um, but so that, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, I don't, I don't have like an absolute favorite fish. Um, I, I do think that, uh, Diversity is the key to life, and I like to mix it up a lot. Oysters around the world are enjoying a renaissance of appreciation, with customers demanding a range of species across the seasons from a range of regions, often with growers nominated by name. At Greenpoint Fish and Lobster, the oyster program is a feature of their offer, and Vinnie's approach is pragmatic. It's all about the relationship between growers and diners. Oysters have been something that we've really, we started based on the strength of our oysters. Um, we have great relationships with, with a lot of different growers all over the country. Um, but people, in the same way that I just mentioned that diversity is the key to life, people always want different things. And a lot of times the growers just decide, uh, these are, you know, th these are, Pirates now. These are these ones are sh uh, shipmates. These are deckhands. These are whatever. They keep coming up with new names for oysters that are essentially the same thing. And and I understand why they're doing it because someone has a great oyster and then they sell them out and then six months later people say, well that was good, but you know I want something else. So they they rebrand. They change the name and you know like people come into my store all the time and say. Well, what oysters do you have today? And we say, well, we have, um, you know, Barnstables from Cape Cod. They're really nice. Like, ah, you know, but I had the Barnstables um, last week. And we say, oh, well, these are, you know, actually called like, you know, the Barnstable Harbors. Like, oh, okay, well, I'll take those. And it, it, I wish that you could be, I mean, I think that the biggest problem the seafood industry has is this concept of obfuscation that that there's always this like tricky fishmonger behind the scenes like trying to slip you a bait and switch right 
and that they're always looking like, oh, well, you know, this guy, you know, he's, he's fishy, pun intended. Um, but I wish that you could be a little bit more truthful and just tell people, look, they're, these oysters are really, really good, but they're this, you're just getting the same ones all the time. If it's called A, B, C, or D, you know, there's, there's growers who are just changing the name and, and, and they should by right, because they need to continue to move that product. The problem that I see in, um, in, uh, the oyster market here in the States is that there are an exceptionally large number of oyster farmers who are, um, maybe they started in the last four or five years. They're not producing a lot, but they're in the market with a good brand and a good presence and they're, they're hustlers and they're willing to do anything. And that's great, but the market is just flooded. There's so much, uh, so many oysters here that, you know, the price is probably going to plummet in a way. What I was describing before about this hard lifestyle, it's epitomized by the oyster growers. Like you're actually producing something. I, if, if I have one regret about the, the job that I do is that I'm not actually producing anything. I'm just kind of a broker, you know, at the end of the day. I, and I love it. I, I really do. But these men and women who are oyster farmers are actually out there doing it. They're taking something and they're growing and they're producing a product and bringing it to market. And that is one of the most admirable things that I can think of. Some fishmongers have a mixed reputation for being thrifty with the truth and using tactics that are sometimes suspect. Soaking scallops is a classic old school stunt for these guys. For Vinny, care in handling and truth in labelling is not only a mandate, but a means to ensure he delivers seafood in the best condition possible. The scallop market is all about size. People only want the big ones. And, you know, like, like the good capitalists that, that fishmongers are we've figured out how to make them big even if they're small so um and, and everyone knows what i'm talking about but but what what i've found which is really interesting is that an entire generation of chefs have have come up in the world knowing only treated scallops and if you bring them um you know one of the things that we do best here is live scallops and uh you know scallops in the shell and it's you know obviously more expensive but it's a it's a treat and people love it but if you bring that to to some chefs they'll they'll smell and be like oh this these have turned these are bad scallops shouldn't smell like anything you say no no these this is the scallop this is what you want that's that smell it's the same thing that like you know you know exactly what i'm talking about like when you when you have a uh, when you walk into a or, or like walk by a halibut boat and there's that halibut smell and you just smell it and you know it. It's the same thing with a scallop and it's it's been it's been very frustrating to get chefs who just say like, no, no, no I, I don't want these. I want the ones that like caramelize on a sear. I'm like, no, you don't want those. Or maybe you do, but I don't I don't have those. I just have these dries that I that like literally just came from a boat an hour ago. He just landed. My guy just drove them in. They're maybe six hours old. 
you know, it, it, it gets very frustrating. And, you know, I've, I've at some point just, just resigned and said, you know what, it, if, that, if that's what you want, that's what you want. At some point, you can't fight, you can't fight anymore. The seafood industry is a tough, unforgiving business, both on the water and at the fishmongers. Long hours in a wet, cold, smelly and slimy environment is a challenge for young people looking at entering into the business. The seafood industry seems to be, well, it doesn't seem to be, it, it is, it's aging out, is that fewer and fewer young people are getting into it. Um, and it just seems a lot of times that it, when I'm in an industry event, I'm, I'm 34 and it just seems like I'm, I'm the young buck around and there's not that many people that are younger than me. It's just, it's not really a, a sexy lifestyle to get into. I mean, it's, it's hard work, it's grueling hours, it's slim margins and it's little pay. And, and for someone who's, who's commercial fishing, you know, it's it, when you're not even guaranteed the catch and your quota is so low, I mean, there's really, it's a, it's a hard sell for someone who's young. So I, there's a couple, I have a friend who, uh, fishes on a long Island and I've known him for, uh, a number of years. He's got to be in his mid twenties. And I remember before he could even, you know, legally drink, uh, at the bar, we still went, but, <laughs> um, but he's one of the few guys that I know that's that's that young and, and is really making a push for it. Um, there's other guys that I know in Rhode Island, um, my cousins in Boston, but they're all my age. You know, you, you don't really see a lot of people who are gearing up and getting into commercial fishing as young men and women, um, which is unfortunate because I think that there's there's a lot of opportunity. Um, but it is, it's a very hard lifestyle, but it's very rewarding if, if you can do it right. What, what I think of when I think of going fishing is just the respect that I have for these people who do it day in and day out. These guys are out there breaking their necks every single day to, to make sure that there's product to come in for people to like me to sell, you know? And, and, and when you look at a fish, you have to think about that. Someone went out there and caught that and risked their life to get it. It's something that's in my blood. Um, and I've, I've always, ever since I was young, um, you know, very, very young and learning about the family's company and the history and, and um, you know, my grandmother had eight kids and 30 something grandkids and the, uh, the other side of the family had another eight kids and another 30 something grandkids. So there's, there's scores of us that have this fishing heritage. And um, it's something that I just, even though I've tried at sometimes to get out, I know, my mom uh, is very, uh, or she was happy when I was in college and thinking that I wasn't just going to be, you know, a fisher, a fishmonger or what have you. But, um, you know, it, I'm, I'm continuously drawn to it for a reason that I can't even describe. Uh, it's just, 
it's the lifestyle, it's the people, it's the the hard work, it's it's everything. This is the Fishtails podcast, a Deep in the Weeds production. I'm John Sussman. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world.